The Pyramid Year, session number 376. Hello, and welcome to The Pyramid Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to the Pre-Med Years. Thank you for say, taking some time to join me today. If you can't hear, I'm battling a little bit of a cold, but hopefully we'll get through this intro and get you into a great conversation that I had with Enrique Hasso, the Associate Director of and Podcast Host at Texas Health Education Service. Now, the Texas Health Education Service is actually the kind of overarching company the, the organization that runs TMDSAS, which you know about, and JAMP, which you might not know about. It's more special for uh, undergrad students in Texas, but it's a great organization that is really shaping a lot of what's going on in the medical world in Texas, both uh, for medical school, dental school, vet veterinary school, and maybe some more in the future. Now, I was in Austin at the Texas Health Education Service offices uh, and stopped by and had a great conversation with Enrique about everything that they are doing. And this is what you're going to hear today. Now, the audio is a little bit different. I was wearing a, a lapel microphone for video recording, uh, but it's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. We start kind of in the middle of the beginning of the conversation where I was talking to uh, Enrique about why they were thinking about going to the UC Davis conference to recruit students and educate students about the TMDSAS. No, no, no. Why would you go? Because it's not like you're lacking for applicants. Are you just hoping for like potentially meeting that one student who's going to cure cancer and you want them to do it here in Texas? So when I'm talking about a big presence, I'm talking like close to 300 applicants at each one of these schools. So 300 applicants at BYU. Correct. And UCLA. Correct. So, but they're applying here. So why go and say hello? So we really want to educate these students on how to do this. Because it is very unique. And it's very special. It's, it's very special. Yeah. You know, it's not like AMCAS or Comas, um, where all of the advisors have a streamlined uh, source back to the application service when they're out of state. Uh, for TMDCS, we're very much focused on Texas schools. And through our annual uh, organization meeting with TAP, the Texas Association of Advisors for Health Professions, we provide updates for Texas uh, Texas advisors, mm -hmm. but that information doesn't necessarily reach out-of-state okay. advisors. And so when an out-of-state advisor has 300 applicants to an application service they're not very familiar with, yeah, I think it's incumbent on us to educate those advisors and educate those students on how to put their best foot forward in the TMDCS application okay. and really understand uh, kind of the nuances of the application, how to leverage those in their favor. Okay. Do you think a lot of the students are applying because they are price shopping and they go, oh, Texas is cheap. Let me apply to Texas. Or, oh, Texas's standards are a little bit less, not a ton less than the standard AMCAS. And my stats are decent. And they don't really understand the whole 90-10 kind of law with 
residency or out of state? Surely that plays a factor, but it's very much focused geographically to those areas that I believe they just might have a better recruitment system for Texas students Mm -hmm. uh, who go and study there for their undergrad career. And then those students want to come back to Texas because the price is The undergrad is recruiting high school students from Texas. Right. Okay. And we see a lot of that because... And obviously BYU's big Mormon population. Does mm-hmm. Texas have a big Mormon population? Do you know? Um, Not sure. I wouldn't know that. <laughs> you don't know the stats yeah. off the top of your head? Yeah. According to TMDSAS, <laughs> you know, uh, they're, they're a very large school and yeah. Utah Valley is another large school. Okay. Uh, and of course, the California schools. And, yeah. You know, yeah. And California makes sense just because there's so many students and are just looking to go anywhere. Right. Um, so that's, that's interesting. Do you have data? This is always one of my things when I, when I talk to students who are applying to out-of-state public schools Mm -hmm. and they go, oh, well, there's, they accept 25% out-of-state or whatever. Obviously Texas max is 10. Mm -hmm. Do you have any data? Let me finish my other thought. So the one thing I, I talk to students about all the time is that you have no idea who those out-of-state students are that they are accepting. They don't publish any data that says three quarters of the out-of-state students that we accepted have super strong ties to our state. Their, their, their aunt, their uncle lives in the state and they come and visit every year. They grew up in the state but left and, and no longer have residency in the state. Do you have that sort of data for TMDSAS and say that the 10% of out-of-state students, like most of them had, still have really strong ties to Texas? Very difficult to quantify yeah. that to produce something yeah. at that level. But it's definitely one of the areas that we're trying to um, improve through the Texas Health Education Service because we have so many questions from out-of-state, out-of-state students uh, on you know what does competitive look like for now state students in Texas? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're definitely working on producing enhanced statistics focused on that out-of-state population. Mm-hmm. And I definitely suggest that applicants look into making a connection with Texas in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, uh, You can't just come in and say, hey, I want to come to Texas. I mean, it's... I didn't see on the application service because I opened it and played with it this year. I didn't see like, like size of pickup truck. Cause I know like right. that really is a strong tie to Texas. Also, you have to have a really buckle. big <laughs> in boots, yeah. boots and cowboy hat. Yeah. And the boots have to be a special <laughs> like, grade. You're otherwise. a Texan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm part of the applicant. Again, I'm trying to think when I, when I opened up the application and any student can go and open up a, a, mm-hmm. an application. Um, do you ask for like where you went to high school, that kind of stuff to get that sort of? Yes. Okay. Uh, high school information is requested yep. as AT and ACT scores. Yeah. Uh, those are requested. So you have high school. So potentially you could say out of the, the 10% out of state students, a quarter of them went to high school here. So you could potentially pull yeah, that data. Mm-hmm. Okay. Talk about a, a lot of students don't really understand why, why residency matters? Why why does it matter to, to why does it matter to the Texas Health Education Service yeah. and TMDSAS and the medical schools and the state of Texas overall that only ten percent of students can be from out of state? That's the reason why Texas tuition is so cheap is because the state legislature actually um, provides for the tuition 
And so they are able to uh, subsidize the, the overall tuition levels. So that brings it way down. Yeah. And so it's Texas taxpayer money going into that. Okay. And so that's where the requirement for Texas residency comes in. Yeah. And that's why the mission of so many schools is that people have a strong tie to Texas because, I mean, it's so heavily subsidized by the legislature. Uh, and you can see that just in the NEMSAR, just the, the tuition rates for Texas schools compared to you know, anywhere else. Yeah. Not only is Texas perfect and amazing, but <laughs> some parts, yeah. some parts, perfect and amazing. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's something a lot of students don't understand is, is the in-state tuition versus out-of-state tuition for, for any medical school. That's usually the case is that the, the medical school isn't making money off of the out-of-state student. The, the, the cost difference is what the state is subsidizing versus uh, for, for an in-state student versus an out-of-state student where money's not coming from the state, the school's making that up directly from the student. I'm not. I don't know if that's how it is in Texas, but I've had that conversation with other schools um, as to why that difference is there. Yeah, I'm not sure on that. Yeah, so that's interesting. Okay. So with, with Texas having its own application service, how do you see that playing out in the long game with, with more medical schools opening with a lack of residency spots? Is that something you guys are actively looking at to say, how many more medical schools can we sustain in Texas? Do you have any sort of ability to maybe take some of that taxpayer money and fund residencies just for Texas medical students? Mm -hmm. Is that something you're looking at? Uh, not through TMDSAS, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, our mission is to provide the applications to the schools. Yeah. Uh, and so that's the primary focus for it. But I will say that the schools, through the platform that TMDSAS has built, the schools are in communication with each other and do speak before the Texas legislature and Senate to discuss those issues with residency positions in Texas. And so every time we turn around and two new medical schools pop up, <laughs> the medical schools are there talking about the issue that we don't need more medical schools. We need more medical residencies. Yeah. Uh, and so as more schools are coming up, uh, it's actually coming to the forefront of public uh, opinion is that residency positions are not catching up as quickly as uh, medical schools yeah. are, are being built. Texas is huge. I don't know if you, you knew that. Oh yeah. It's a very big state. Mm-hmm. Lots of rural areas. And I think I I had a pediatrician on uh, Specialty Stories podcast. And she's like the only pediatrician in like a 75,000 square mile, some ridiculous, I don't know if it's the real number, um, uh, like the only pediatrician in that area. Is that something as Texas Health Education Services, is that something you look at to provide um, resources for students coming from those areas? potentially looking at at helping those areas? So what we want to do is enhance everything that the schools are already providing. And a lot of medical schools have built into their mission that they want to reach out to rural health, um, students interested in, in providing rural health. So, for example, the Texas Tech University system is based in Lubbock, Texas, hmm. which, I mean, <laughs> Lubbock's pretty much a yeah. middle of... of uh, a lot of rural areas and yep. communities. And so they've actually built a system around uh, the Amarillo, Midland, Odessa area and Abilene area. And so they're uh, working together with different rural centers uh, that can really 
enhance their mission that way. And so what we can do to step in is to inform students that these programs exist and amplify the messages that they're trying to provide so that they can enhance their programs in turn. Nice. Uh, and so through that, you know, uh, we're working with organizations like the Texas Rural Health Association uh, in connecting, you know, the professional aspect backwards to the undergraduate experience and even a little bit further, maybe to even the high school experience. Yeah. Random question. Do you have any data about students who go to medical school here who actually stay in practice, at uh, least at some point? <clears throat> at TMDSAS, we don't. Yeah. Uh, through JAM, they're actually starting to work on that information. Yeah. JAM's been in place since 2003, and so there are, uh, I believe, eight years of uh, students who have now uh, graduated from residency programs and are now practicing. And we've teamed up with the Texas Medical Association to start, you know, getting better tracking of where students are being placed and where they're practicing. Yeah. Talk about JAMP. What What is yeah. JAMP? So JAMP is a, a program that was created by the Texas legislature uh, in 2001 that helps economically disadvantaged students find a pathway to medical school. So everybody knows that it's expensive to go to medical school. You know, you have your MCAT test, you need support, you need the ends, you need shadowing experiences. Yep. And unfortunately, a lot of those cost money. And for economically disadvantaged students, it's a huge hurdle. Yep. And so the program was established to mitigate that issue. So what JAMP provides are summer internship programs are five weeks long at the medical schools. And okay. the students actually go and live at the medical school and they're taking classes at the medical school level. They're shadowing <laughs> doctors. They are participating in, the, in those communities and learning about the mission of the schools that they're attending. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to that, we have a partnership with Kaplan to provide them a full uh, MCAT preparation suite. Nice. And when the students take the MCAT, they have to hit a certain threshold. But if they hit that and they remain in good standing in the program, they're actually guaranteed a spot in medical school in Texas. And so they have their own mini match. Uh, nice. among, among JAMP students. Nice. And who qualifies for JAMP? So there are a lot of different qualifications for that. Uh, you have to apply as a freshman or sophomore in college. Okay. Uh, and then you have to have uh, SAT or ACT score higher than the average for the state. Okay. And those averages are published every year on, mm -hmm. the, team, on the JAMP website. Uh, you have to have an estimated family contribution of 8000 or less on FAFSA application for sophomore and, I'm sorry, for freshman and sophomore year. Okay. Um, and then you have to have the support of your advisor at your university. So the beauty about JAMP is that they've built a similar partnership among university advisors. Mm -hmm. And so they have JAMP faculty directors. Um, and for each one of the 67 participating undergraduate institutions, there is a faculty director there who's ready to help students with JAM. And so students meet with those advisors and they're dedicated just to helping the JAM students and verifying that their journey is kind of taking the right direction. Nice. Yeah, it's an amazing program. Yeah, I would like that. <laughs> Guaranteed admission. Yeah. So how many, it, I'm sure there's a cap on how many students you JAM will accept. What does that look like? It's about 100 students a year for okay. the entire state of Texas. So not a lot. Not a lot. Yeah. It's an extremely competitive program. Mm. Um, but the students that the program's uh, producing are actually performing just as well as a 
an average applicant to TMBSAX. Okay. And so it's really showing that it fills the gap uh, from students who are economically disadvantaged in two to three years, they're able to come up to the level that a typical TMDSAS applicant would be at. Shocker, you provide students resources thought, that right? they wouldn't normally be able to afford yeah. and they can do well. Exactly. Amazing. And you'd be amazed, you know, that how much of an advantage these students take of these resources where they are turning around and scoring the best competitive MCAT scores. Yeah. They're really shining with leveraging the opportunities that they have with shadowing doctors yeah. and going back to their communities to continue shadowing. And They're sponges. It's amazing. They just want to soak it in. They just yeah. haven't had the ability. Yeah. And, you know, I worked with JAMP um, for about six years and the doctors that that program has produced, I've kept in touch with. It's just an amazing network of people. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's, Jam definitely holds a special place in my heart. Yeah, and obviously it's a it's a great program. It's been around since two thousand three, and amid uh, tumultuous legislative sessions, it's it's <laughs> it stood stood the test. Yeah, and so it's a it's a great program. Because I'm sure there's so with the Jam, um, the advisors at the schools are those are those funded slots through JAMP or is the undergrad university paying for those advisors? So uh, as part of the funding for JAMP, JAMP provides funds for public universities yeah. to have a, a dedicated person there or That's to awesome. um, provide additional enhancement resources for schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you an example with uh, some of the universities in the Austin area. They actually host dress for success seminars. So they bring folks from like men's warehouse and um, you know, um, different clothing uh, stores around the area and host like a fashion show for like dude why haven't you invited me to any of this awesome stuff yeah come on man (laughs) it's really amazing you know they have like etiquette dinner so that students can really um (laughs) know which fork (laughs) to start with start with the outside and work you know it's it's i i'm really connect personally with the mission of jam yeah i grew up in a pretty impoverished neighborhood in El Paso Mm -hmm. and working with those students, you know, it's really, it's not just giving them a pathway to becoming a doctor. It's also showing them a lot of things that we might take for granted. So Mm -hmm. for the summer programs, you know, we don't just send them to go learn and, you know, be working 24 seven for five weeks. You know, we send them to the opera for for a lot of students. They Mm -hmm. haven't ever been to the opera or, They'll go and spend a day at um, Six Flags, you know, on a Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and they'll get together and network with each other. And what's great to see is that even as they're going through medical school and they're graduating and becoming physicians, that network continues. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a really strong friendship and companionship that they form through JAM. That's awesome. Yeah. Is there anything comparable that you know of? outside of texas like that no um the closest might be university specific Mm -hmm. uh pipeline programs um so i believe uh new york has a similar pipeline program they have sophie davis right the uh fifth uh fifth pathway or something like that it's called yeah yeah and so um you know scott and um, the executive director before him would always yeah. get phone calls from out of state trying to figure out. Yeah, that, what that's is. yeah, that's my question: is is how how much do you 
kind of keep this close to your vest versus going to other states saying this is how you recreate it look at look at the good that it's doing not only the 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 population that these future doctors are serving but just turning around these students and showing them possibilities whether or not they go into medical school or not yeah. it's just showing them culture sending them to the opera showing them all these possibilities of, of what's out there other than what what they see in their neighborhood and and they don't see hope in that situation and we're always willing to collaborate you know yeah it's not we would never hold something <laughs> we have the yeah, secret yeah, we're, we're here to help yeah uh, so anytime we get requests for you know coming by and taking a look at what the program's like or getting some more information on what's worked for us, what hasn't worked for yeah. us. Have you ever um, spoken? Spoke? Is that a word? Spoken? Spoken. Spoken. Have you ever uh, speaked? <laughs> uh, spoken at uh, like the NAP, um, uh, like their big national mm-hmm. meeting, like letting advisors know like what's out there so that the advisors can go back to their schools and maybe put pressure on the state yeah. system. We're actually active with both uh, TAP, which is the Texas Association, yeah. and SAP, which is Southeastern yeah. Association, and NAP. And NAP, yeah. Uh, so right now I actually have a proposal sent out to NAP. Nice. To present next I week. wanted to put one in and I just like, <laughs> I'm not going to pull the trigger. I just, yeah. I wanted to, but I'll be there. Great. I'll be there hanging out. Yeah. Cool. So what's what's in store for Texas Health Education Service? I know you guys are undergoing a lot of rebranding and kind of getting the message a little bit clearer, potentially. What's what's in store? It's a really exciting time because everything's in store. <laughs> we're, we're, it's it's an organization still in its infancy, but obviously we're continuing with the Apply Magazine. The podcast uh, is being rebranded from the TMDSAS podcast to Inside Health Education. Mm-hmm. And that's going to allow us to branch out beyond TMDSAS, maybe talk to other healthcare professionals, mm-hmm. um, other professional schools, and really explore more of the academic and non-academic aspects of preparation. Mm-hmm. Uh, not unlike what you already do, but we want to focus it on Texas. Yeah. Uh, so why not inside Texas health education? It's too many words. Okay. Yeah. Plus the Texas is already implied with health education service. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. We disagree. <laughs> <laughs> a random yeah. browser on, on Apple podcasts would not un- have that implication. Uh, I think we've fixed that okay. issue. Yeah. We'll talk later. Um, but in the spring we are bringing on board, uh, an advisor who is recently retired mm-hmm. and she'll be coming on to help us with developing more resources. So, uh, we are starting accountability teams for undergraduate students. So it's going to be a blueprint. You mm-hmm. can get together a team of five, five-ish people uh, to get you started and making sure that everybody stays accountable. So we provide the blueprint and everything that you need, and the students just have to form the teams. Uh, and so Define what a blueprint is. Yeah, so it's going to be like a syllabus of sorts. Mm-hmm. You're at this point in the application process or mm-hmm. in the preparation process, so we're going to pair you up with other folks who are similar uh stage or you already find a group of folks already in that stage and we're going to help you by creating that blueprint of where you need to get to little roadmap little blueprint blueprint. and and building in (laughs) it's just like one way yeah whereas blueprint it's like okay well 
I don't know. Uh, Apparently, uh, this guy's uh, never never worked with an architect before because <laughs> <laughs> architectural blueprints are pretty rigid. They are, but you know, <laughs> uh, stuff can be uh, funny. amended there. Um, but yeah. Um, so we're, we're really excited for, for that blueprint. That we're so lots of accountability use. built into there. Mm-hmm. And is that more for students or the advisors as well? It's definitely for students. But if an advisor wanted to implement that at their own school, it'll, yeah. be, it'll be a resource that they can get from uh, Health Education Service. Cool. Um, and then we also are working uh, with that advisor. We're going to create a virtual advisor video series. Mm-hmm where she's going to sit down and answer questions that nice. would walk in and ask an advisor, you know, it's like, nice. what are my chances of getting in? And then she'll go through and say, yeah, I can't tell you. Here are the stats. No, that's, that's right. the answer to that question. I can't, I can't tell, tell you. you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to buy, I just, I just checked the other day. I'm going to buy premedchecklist.com and <laughs> send students to it. <laughs> big, big word on there. There is no checklist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> There's no cookie cutter. Yeah. <sighs> That's awesome. All right, well, we'll have to chat because I'm I'm doing some things that may overlap with what you're doing. Yeah. Let's see if we can collaborate. And then of course, you know, we have 50 years of amazing data to move yeah. off of. Yeah. And you know, we're, we're building out the out-of-state student statistics and mm-hmm. um, you know developing resources around those, as well as continuing with non-traditional students uh, and reaching out to them and making sure that they understand you know what competitive means as a non-traditional student. That was something new that TMDS added to the application for yeah. this 2019 cycle, mm-hmm. 20, 2020 cycle. Um, was that, uh, do you consider yourself a non-traditional kind of question? Why did you add that? Uh, it's twofold. Uh, first one, we wanted to make sure that the schools put their money where their mouth was. Okay. We hear from the schools all the time how important it is for a non-traditional student mm-hmm. to apply and how desired non-traditional students were yeah. all the time. Yep. Uh, but there was no data to back it up. Okay. And so we have... So not necessarily that you weren't seeing that, you just didn't have any data to support yeah, there it. There was okay. nothing to support that. Yep. And so we had a proxy of using age to determine whether someone was non-traditional okay. prior to that. Um, but we thought it would be more beneficial for a student to identify themselves as non-traditional yeah. because each journey is different. And so with that question, are you non-traditional? We also have a follow-up of explaining why you decided to label yourself as non-traditional. Yeah. Uh, and that's given us some really great insights into a lot of students that we might not have considered, you know, um, maybe they're not using the traditional, uh, definition of non-traditional, yeah. uh, but, you know, My assumption is a lot of students are saying, I'm non-traditional because I took a gap year. And, <laughs> and you know what? What they did in that gap year is important. Correct. And there are spots in the application to discuss that. Yeah. But it allows an admissions committee member to say, oh, okay, I better pay attention to their essay where they talk mm-hmm. about this or pay attention to that activity that they're discussing on here. Yeah. And so I think that's definitely a part of the application that helps yeah. non-traditional students specifically. Uh, the second point was also for data gathering, mm-hmm. and we wanted to make sure that in including that question, we wouldn't get an inflated sense of or inflated number of students who claimed that they were non-traditional. It's actually pretty much on par with last year when we were just using age. Okay. Uh, Interesting. So, yeah. And so that also allows the schools to have that data on their end so that when an applicant transfers from being uh, the responsibility of an admissions office to being part of student affairs, 
the student affairs office now has that data point as well. Mm. And they can develop support resources around that, just as you would with, um, you know, LGBT data and AMCAS application. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with non-traditional students here. And okay. in fact, um, based off of that and, and a lot of feedback that we received, we're actually expanding the gender options in the TMDSAS application Good. for next year. Yeah. So slowly but surely. Slowly. Right is it going to be as high as Facebook with like 70 options? <laughs> yeah. or I don't think so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. But we're, you know, we're really excited uh, to promote inclusion and um, you know, equity. For, Which is for awesome. Applicants. Right, Great. Texas normally considered a very conservative state, but exactly. we're in Austin, so <laughs> you can't make it happen. And you know what? It it wasn't just Austin; it was a unanimous yeah. decision from all the schools to yeah. approve that. Awesome, yeah, that's good. Um, AMCAS has a disadvantaged essay. Mm-hmm. Is that something you guys have thought about putting on your application service, or do you use your optional essay for that? usually defer a lot of that to the optional essay. Um, a lot of the Texas schools have already started developing their own secondary applications. and They're not $300 plus applications, but um, they'll ask specific questions that might connect better to their mission. Mm. There really isn't a school that is seeking a disadvantaged status necessarily. Uh, there are other uh, aspects of the application that they focus on. Uh, and we do provide socioeconomic background information, but there really isn't anybody looking for disadvantage at this point. With that being said, you know, the deans get together twice a year to discuss the application, make mm-hmm. sure that everything fits what they need it to uh, to look like. Uh, and so I, I went in, but it passed them to include that in the future. But yeah. at this time, it's not included on TMDS. Yeah. And I don't know if I would say it's more to seek out those students. And in my mind, it, it provides a lens of how they're interpreting what they're seeing potentially. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What else should we talk about? What else? So let's, let's talk about TMDSAS. So what's the kind of the, the, Med school in a box. I want to see that. <laughs> that um, for TMDSAS, like, what's the like number one mistake that you're just seeing over and over and over again? Ooh, golly, we hear about all the mistakes that all of the applicants <laughs> do. Um, probably key among them is going to be confusion on how to enter courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a really, for some reason. Applicants encounter so many issues because they code their classes for TMDSAS. They code them themselves, mm-hmm. just like the other application services. Right. Yep. But there's some sort of disconnect yeah. there. And by code, you mean science, non-science? Yeah, so it's like biology yeah. one is biology class, and, yep. and I got this grade, and yep. that was the last time I took that course. Yep. Um, a lot of students face a lot of issues with that. Um, particularly became more apparent when we started using BZPM GPAs. Okay. Um, which is beyond me because that's pretty commonplace with all the applications. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's probably the area that a lot of students trip up on. And what we do is we produce um, all the courses that we see. Uh, The folks here at TMDSAS will assess the syllabus to make sure that it hits certain points that are required. Schools are prescribed to say, okay, this class will be considered a BCPM course or it will not. Or mm-hmm. This class will be considered a prerequisite course, or it will not. 
Yeah. And I think we get that issue because we do the validation of the transcripts yeah. uh, in-house. Um, and so we're, we're working with TMDSAS uh, with, with the Health Education Service to make that message a little bit clearer because I think that's that's something that a lot of students stumble on. Why not? You You have the data, right? You have all the historic data mm-hmm. to say... I know that every student that went to UT Austin, like they put in bio 101. I know that it's, that it's a BCPM. Why not like populate that for them? Because you have the data and it's just pulling from a database. The coding that would be involved with 8,000 applications times 120 hours. It's easy. You saw how small our office is. Yeah. You know, we try to keep it. It's just a couple lines of code. We try to keep it slim, <laughs> slimmer out here. Now, yeah. When we find a, a discount coder that can help us. All right, we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So you, you also have talked uh, before about like students mistakenly submitting their application. How, how often does that happen? Not too often. Hey there. Just want to interrupt hey there. I'll be leaving in about an hour. So okay. Let me know. Yeah. Oh, this is uh, Dr. Gray. Hi. Hi. Brian. Matthew. Matthew, nice to meet you. Good Matthew, to meet you. Matthew's yeah. the director of TMDSAS. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, speaking of TMDSAS. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about all the, the pain it causes students. Yeah, it causes a lot of pain. Yeah. We like to inflict it. So yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's great to, great to meet you. She's doing some filming and some yeah. Just chatting. Yeah. Chatting, trying to educate some students. Yeah. How mean Enrique is. Yeah, he's, he's pretty nice. Vicious. Yeah. <laughs> Vicious. <laughs> yeah. It was nice meeting you. Good to meet you. All right. Thanks. Um, so, so with students um, submitting an application before they like spell check their, <laughs> their essays or forget to put in their essays, yeah. is that super common? It's not super common. Okay, good. But when it happens, it's just it's very so scary. Devastating. Yeah. And there's nothing we can do. You guys don't have a, a, a second chance button? No, we don't. Why not? The schools have made it very clear that if an applicant is not thorough in their application, yeah. they're not, no heart. not somebody that they want. No heart. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, that's devastating. It's so competitive yeah. to get into medical school. Yeah. And there are applicants who went through proofread their essays yep. and made sure that it wasn't a uh, placeholder text. You know, I've seen where the application says insert essay here yeah. or they just put a period just to get through that section yeah. and they never put anything. So I have a very programmerish kind of mind, Yeah. right? If you could potentially, even though it doesn't happen a lot, go and this literally is only a couple lines of code. Um, to say, okay, the, the student clicks submit, uh, check the length of the personal statement. Oh, length is less than a thousand characters, pop up a box. Meg, it looks like your personal statement is not done. Are you sure you want to submit yeah. this? Well, possible. I mean, you're a doctor. <laughs> you're a doctor. Is there a line of code that's going to prevent you from overlooking something that like that? I mean, this is an application that you've been working toward for several years at the point that you're applying to TMDSAS. And I'm, I'm just sharing the perspective that the schools share. Oh, I understand their yeah. perspective. I just don't, you know, I don't agree with it. Sure. We can, yeah. I mean, we can put in lines of code for everything. Yeah. Um, but I don't, uh, if we had 
No, nope, I don't see a single scenario. Yeah, where where something like that. Would be <laughs> nope, don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Ban hammer. Poof. Right. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I mean, with all due respect. Yeah. There are a thousand other applicants. Who I know. Everything exactly as they were supposed to. I hear you. So that might be a, a bigger issue that's coming out. Well, going back, right? If, if you think your background, right, how you grew up. Mm-hmm. Are these, are these students coming from a background, uh, from a disadvantaged background where they just don't understand the implications, where they, they don't see the big picture, where maybe their reading level isn't as good as it, whatever the case may be, right? That's what. where. I'll tell you what. Yeah. That's not the case. Okay. <laughs> that's not the case. That's not at all. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, I've taken a look at the ones that I yeah. submit. Yeah. And that is definitely it's not, not them. the case. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> just take your time. <laughs> Take your time on the application. <clears throat> yeah. Step one, take your time. Mm-hmm. The optional essay for TMDSS, I get lots of questions. Like, what should I be putting there? Yeah. Is it truly optional? It, Do you have data, like, what percentage of students actually don't fill it out? I don't have it on hand. I'm sure you could pull it. But it'd yeah. be very interesting. To it'd be very that. interesting. Uh, the optional essay is optional. <laughs> Asterisk. Yeah. Asterisk. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say that it is not optional. Correct. Because it's an opportunity for students to talk about anything in the application that wasn't already asked, mm-hmm. to expand on a different section. Um, you know, the for for example, with activities, you only have 150 characters to talk about an activity. Yeah. And if you want to make it a meaningful activity, you get you know x amount of additional characters. Maybe that's not enough to really say, you know, yeah. this is why I wanted to become a doctor. Yep. And maybe it's not the main reason to yep. be in one of the other sections, but that optional essay gives you that opportunity. Yeah. The team needs to say application doesn't ask everything that it should ask. And Correct. It's by design. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the deans will sit down and go over the application. And as I mentioned, twice a year, they'll decide whether or not they want to move forward with a section, remove mm-hmm. a section, add a section. Uh, and so it's that optional essay section is an opportunity for you to speak directly to an admissions yeah. committee member. My, my biggest message lately has been, and I think since I've started, uh, but I've, I've started to kind of hone in on it and give it more context is the, the student's story matters so much. And that optional essay is just another opportunity to further flush out their story. Mm-hmm. So as you said, I, I don't think anything optional throughout the whole medical school application process, whether it's a COMIS, AMCAS, or TMDSAS is, is truly optional. Or even like interview days, you know, Correct. have optional activities. Yeah, Go do them. Yeah, activities. do them. Yeah. So with that said, right, telling your story, mm-hmm. you mentioned the activity section, only 150 characters. Now, I can I can see because I read so many applications that most students are writing horrible things there, even on AMCAS and ACOMIS where they have 700 or 600 characters. It's just a pile of flaming turd, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I'm sure the medical schools are like, let's just cut down their ability to give us a big flaming pile of turd and only give 150 characters. But it's also for those who know how to tell their story exactly. and have a story to tell. It's limiting their ability to do that. 
That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's the reason why those boxes are not getting. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you can't tell your story and tell it in a concise way, yeah. you don't have your elevator pitch ready. You know, you're not ready to apply. Yeah. So. What have you heard from medical schools as to know, what they're hoping to see in an application? Obviously, stats stats aside, right? Yeah. They have to be good enough mm-hmm. to get through the door. But but in an application itself, what what story are they looking for? You know, they're really uh, I don't know if subscribed is the right word, but someone that's coming to mind. Subscribe to the core competencies mm-hmm. defined by the AMC. Yep, uh, and seeing those throughout the application and the schools that have invited me to come see what their admissions committees are working through. Uh, it's very clear that the core competencies are important to them, but also the mission that the schools are promoting and the value statements that they have. Yeah. And those value statements I really want to include because a lot of the schools in Texas will include values. For yep. example, uh, the Texas A&M system has established values that they've had for you know 100 plus years. Yeah. And those values are important for them as employees of the Texas A&M system and are important for students of the Texas A&M system and as future alumni representing that. And so those are very important for those admissions committees to promote. So ultimately, it comes down to tell your story in a way that really connects with an admissions committee member looking for X, Y, and Z that promotes their mission statement. Because ultimately... You are promoting yourself to become an ambassador for that school. Mm-hmm. And once you're in, you know, you're no longer just Ryan Gray. You're Ryan Gray, student from blah, 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 yeah. or doctor who attended this medical school. Yeah. So I think it's really important for students to put in the time to at least go to their website, <laughs> go to their website. read the message. Yes. And see, you know, <laughs> which competencies show up in their in their uh, mission statements and you know, yeah. integrating them into their application as best as possible. Yeah, we were working hard on uh, a part of our website called Med School Reviews, mm-hmm. where we have all of that data there, the the mission statement, vision, um, links to all of the social media. And, and that's kind of what I tell students. They're like, oh, the, all the mission statements, all the vision statements, they all sound the same. I'm like, well, go go onto YouTube and see if they have an official YouTube channel. Go onto Instagram and, and search location for that school to see what students are doing uh, at that school and really put in the work because where it shows up the most are, are those secondary essays, yeah. right? And, and schools hopefully are asking good um, specific secondary questions for that school specifically and where students are going wrong it's just copy paste copy paste copy paste exactly. and not really tailoring it to each school's mission and it doesn't mean a full recreation of an essay correct it's just reframing what you're already promoting yeah within the context of what that school's looking for yeah sweet mm-hmm. so tmdsas Texas Health Education Service. How can students get more information? How can they learn more about it? If yeah. they're at a school, maybe that doesn't have an advisor, um, maybe they're a high school student trying to figure this stuff out, what yeah. should they be doing? Definitely visit the websites. Uh, the Team DCS website is currently undergoing a massive refresh, and we are making all of the information about the application much more palatable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's so dry, but um, 
you know, we really make a, a strong effort to make sure that applicants get exactly what they need to know, uh, including all the nuances of the application and figuring all that out. So tmdsas.com is the website to go to. And, and students, just to, to clarify, students, if they're three years out from applying, they can go to TMDSAS, yes. open up an application, and play around. I mean, it, maybe yeah, it's not something you... Say that, but yeah. I'm not going to... Yeah. Yeah. You can neither confirm nor deny. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, and also, the Texas Health <laughs> Education Service, we're focused on making the goal to becoming a doctor, uh, dentist, or, or a veterinarian... Um, a clear pathway for students all the way from high school through the application. And we're hoping to expand as well into those careers. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be a full gamut of everything they need to do to prepare and come back and, you know, engage with other professional organizations and get the resources that you need. So uh, TXHES is the website for that. And we also have online communities that we promote. Um, it's a, I'm not going to say those right now because we don't have a <laughs> solid name yeah. for them, but those will be uh, housed under the health education service. Okay. As you saw, you know, Facebook groups and stuff. Office. Yep. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Let's talk about this magazine. Yeah. Sweet. So I got the privilege and honor of being asked to contribute. What's the goal with the magazine? Magazine is really to educate students on what the schools are looking for. Is this one mine? Yeah, look yep. at that. <laughs> we, can get, we can get some B-roll of this later. And so the magazine was produced because, you know, we go to uh, all these college fairs and talking to students. We repeat the exact same thing 100 plus times. Uh, but we, when we have a magazine, we're able to engage advisors for the health professions. We're able to engage admissions officers. Uh and, and you know, Doctor Doctor Gray, uh, as well. That's me. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice brain. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, this is the alpha version of the Apply Magazine. It'll be available in the spring. And this year, we actually integrated some success stories from students, so that they get to tell. You know, what their journey's been like, uh, mm -hmm. what their experiences were like in professional school and leading up to it. Uh, so we thought that may, uh, might be a, a nice um, way to bring into that magazine. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Those success stories are what give students hope, mm -hmm. uh, which is great. And then the stats are what humbles us all. <laughs> <laughs> um, the students uh, who are potentially at a school where this isn't distributed, how can they get a copy? Yeah. Is there a digital version only? Yes, there are. Yeah. Uh, they're available both on the TMDSAS website and the Texas Health Education Service website. Nice. Now, you mentioned Texas Health Education Service, med, dental, and vet. Mm -hmm. Is there any future for PA, PT? Adding, adding other health professions in there? I mean, it comes through because of TMDSAS, where those partnerships are already built in. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, TMDSAS is the best application service of them all. Obviously. Uh, and so I wouldn't be surprised if schools started switching over. But um, honestly, we're in talks with some other health profession schools mm -hmm. uh, to expand beyond just cool. medical, dental, and veterinary. Cool. Breaking news. Ah. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, you know, um, 
Team Disney is good at what they do. With, you know, all things aside, um, we've been doing this for a while, and we listen to both the schools who have specific needs that they need in the application, and we provide a centralized service for them. Yeah, and also for applicants to make sure that they're getting. Uh, the best opportunity to tell their story and to mm-hmm. be seen and heard in the application. I know what I want to talk about. Uh-oh. The match. Ooh, yeah. I'm going to sit up straight. For <laughs> so Texas medical schools, the, the application to medical school, right? Looking at from the outside, the very beginning part of it, similar to everywhere else, just it's a separate application service mm-hmm. on the back end, though. You have a match process. Yeah. Why? Uh, First, let's explain the match. What yeah. in, in as, as briefly as possible? Like, sure. what is what is the med school match? Uh, it's very similar to the national residency match. Yep. Is uh, it the same algorithm? Do you know? I can't confirm. Or okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, which is an award winning algorithm? <laughs> they they won the Nobel Prize for that. Um, and so, what the match does is it pairs students to schools on a one-to-one basis mm-hmm. in that applicants go in and fill out which schools they prefer to match to. And then yeah. the schools will create a list of who they prefer to be added to their school. Yeah. And so the algorithm will pair students until the max number of spots are filled mm-hmm. and the schools will each set those. Uh, and then that essentially gives applicants a match. Yeah. So the schools will set how many they want to match right. in the the, pr- the programming behind the scenes. Yes. Yeah. And this is outside of the pre-match. The pre-match is one-on-one what people would consider a normal way that a school accepts a student. Yeah. Kind of. So the, what the pre-match says is, hey, we're going to rank you high enough where if you rank us high enough, you'll match to us. There's like a sneak So it's still a little bit of a match there. It's still potentially. Um, it's it's it, not a direct. It really empowers the applicant to say, "Well, I really want to match here, so I'm going to put them as one, and I know I'm getting in." Okay. Uh, or I have a pre-match offer here. Maybe I might be able to shop around a little bit still to these other schools and have that as my backup. And from from my research, uh, a, a student who pre-matches still goes through the regular match process. Um, if you pre-match, you, you still have to fill out a whole rank list. And if the school that you pre-matched at is your number one, you put you put one yeah. and you're basically done, correct? Because the, the software says this student matched at his or her number one, they're done. Yeah. They're out of the match process exactly. at that point. And then for students who haven't matched at their number one, they're still in the process waiting for some movement potentially. For every any school higher than the one that they've matched to. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, if I, I ranked school three, um, sorry, if I ranked a school that I pre-matched that as number three, I'm yeah. still in play for school two and one. Yeah. Uh, Does the school see that that student has ranked them as number two or number one? Schools do not see the student. Okay. So they just have their potential list of students. They don't know. Do they like, <clears throat> do they push a button and it goes like this student hasn't ranked you? Yeah, um, it does not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every student that gets interviewed has to rank each of the schools that they interviewed at. Correct. But what if, what if a school 
likes a student, but the student didn't like the school, the student, the school accepts that student, but they're lower down on the list than where they already have a match. If that student ranked at a school higher, then the, the student just falls off of the list for that school. So they will fall off the list. Okay. So, so that student's no not available. Okay. School. And also a student can withdraw their application from a school that, you know, maybe they went to go in okay. and said, oh, geez, this is not okay. where I want to go. They can withdraw their application. Okay. And even if they get a pre-match offer, they can reject the pre-match offer if they decide to go somewhere else. So the schools theoretically know the students who they have available to accept are potentially likely to come to them because they're, they're ranked higher than where the student is already accepted. The schools won't know how they were ranked. But at least if, they're, if the student's available, it's higher than wherever they're at now. Uh, right? Because you just said if, if yeah. it's lower, they'll fall off the list yeah. for that school. Right. They won't know if they're only one above or... Number one. And also a student won't know if they're next on, on the list. Correct. Or if they're yeah. okay. away. Cool. Yeah. Why do it that way versus yeah. how the other application services work? I hate to use this answer, but <laughs> we've always done it this way. Yep. Uh, it's, it's been something that's been well-established in TMDSAS, and it's worked fine for X amount of years here. And so... There's never been a discussion about moving away from the match. Now, the match is only for medical applicants. Okay. Um, everyone else does the rolling admissions just as it, it practices nationally. Okay. Is there one of the arguments for, for the residency match is that it helps distribute talent, mm-hmm. right? If you didn't have a match, then the places where people want to go are going to be the most competitive places. They're going to offer more money to recruit talent yeah. versus having the match to spread out that, uh, that talent pool is there. Similar thought with the match here is that students are kind of distributed a little bit more evenly. Absolutely. And in fact, that's why we moved up the pre-match offers this past year. Um, they used to be mid-November. Now they're October 15th, which mm-hmm. is the same date that the schools can reach out to out-of-state students. And so that allows the schools to be able to start recruiting students that are highly desirable to their school. And so the match really does you know, provide that equity among the schools. Mm-hmm. We don't you know, hyperload one school with top talent students, um, but also gives everybody an opportunity to match wherever you know, they might end up at. Nice. You might not know this, but I've, I've talked to a few students who are Texas residents applying out of state Mm -hmm. and they're pretty competitive i mean not hyper competitive but decent stats and they get some traction in in the state of texas but not outside where i would assume they would do you have any data to support potentially uh outside of texas schools like passing on Texas applicants because they're like, oh, they're from Texas. They want to stay in Texas. Let's just not even bother with them. Yeah, unfortunately not. Yeah. Because, you know, outside of Texas, each school manages their own stats. Yeah. So we'd have to partner with every medical school in the country to find out. Get to it. I know. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah. So it would be considered, a lot of students think it's this huge conspiracy theory. I don't know if you've heard this term, the, the whole yield protection, yeah. where we only have a certain number of interview spots. Let's, let's use it on students who 
we hope want to come here and not are just potentially applying as a safety school. Yeah. I will say, um, you know, Texas students definitely find their way uh, around the country, you know, yeah, definitely with neighboring States, um, you know, in Oklahoma, in New Mexico, in Louisiana, um, there's a strong presence of Texas students. And so I would definitely say that, I guess it's a, a geographical thing. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, here's here's a question about data. I love data. Um, for students who you know have been accepted to a Texas medical school, mm-hmm. do you have data on how many of them go out of state, even with an acceptance to in-state school? We don't because we wouldn't know the reason why they withdrew their application. Okay. Uh, can send an email. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, that's a question. thousand students there. So the, 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 I guess the follow-up question would be, do you have, you have the data? Have you looked at the data that shows this student has an acceptance but still withdrew their application? And, and there could be a thousand reasons, right? Yeah. A death in the family, I'm going to start med school next year, whatever it may be. Um, that'd be interesting to look yeah, at. Yeah, we could definitely take a look at that. Yeah. Um, the issue is uh, status has changed across time. Yeah. So an acceptance today is a rejection tomorrow, <laughs> withdrew application tomorrow. And so it would just require us to get a snapshot yeah. of exactly when that occurred. Mm-hmm. And since these events happen all throughout the application cycle, uh, that's quite a lot of data to sift through. Yeah. Or even once, once school starts getting like final rosters from the med schools mm-hmm. to go back and put that as a data point in the, in the school, in the students, um, record mm-hmm. to see, like actually matriculated. I don't know if you can see, but the little cards <clears throat> in my head are already starting to spin. So I'm like, mm, I think we figured something out. We should talk more. That's the kind yeah, of thing I think about. More data. More data. <laughs> awesome. All right, there you have it. Again, Enrique Hasso, the Associate Director and Podcast Host at the Texas Health Education Service. Now, if you don't know about their podcast, they actually just rebranded from the TMDSAS podcast to the Inside Health Education podcast. And that podcast is on this MedEd Media Network that all of our podcasts are on, which you can find at mededmedia.com. Again, Enrique's podcast is the Inside Health Education Podcast. Go check it out. Learn about the TMDSAS and everything that the Texas Health Education Service is doing for the students and applicants to Texas medical, dental, and veterinary schools, as well as some more schools coming. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.